So after just coming home from 10 days in Hawaii, like I love Wade's dad, my father-in-law. He's amazing. We stayed with him, but I'm not going to lie. His guest bed mattress freaking sucks. Like we came home and I was like, I cannot wait to starfish on my avocado mattress. I love our mattress so much. And when you think of it, you spend one third of your life sleeping. You spend one third of your life on a mattress. So it is so crucial what you sleep on. Like you're breathing in those fibers and those glues and those whatever is made up of your mattress. Like you want to make sure you're sleeping on something clean. So if you're in the market for a new mattress, we love our avocado mattress. It's organic. It's vegan. It's made of the highest source materials. It's amazing. It's so comfortable. It's literally like sleeping on a cloud. I'm obsessed. We've had it for like three years and we've told so many friends about it. It's the best. And they even have like baby mattresses and crib mattresses and stuff like that. So definitely check it out in the show notes. If you are in the market for a mattress, you will sleep like a baby. Welcome friends. We are your hosts, Sandy and Wade, baby best friends turned husband and wife and business partners. This podcast is for the dreamers, the movers and shakers, and those who seek to attract their dream life. Strap in, getting magnetic in three, two, one. Like attracts like. If you see it in your mind, you can hold it in your hand. You just decide what it's going to be, who you're going to be, how you're going to do it. And then from that point, the universe is going to get out your way. This moment in time, this is your time to rise. What's up, y'all? You've got Wade here today with a solo episode. You know, I'm going to go Professor Wade mode today, actually. And we're going to be talking money, the economy, finance, wealth, We might go on some tangents. Who knows? It's going to be a wild ride. But I wanted the topic of today's episode to be a quote. This was inspired by Jim Rohn. I don't know if he made this up, but this is where I first heard it. And he said, if you took all the money away from everyone in the world, you just every single bit of money was burned, everyone was back to zero. Everyone. So imagine that a world where, okay, all money, all things, all everyone's back to the same place money would end up in about the same hands. Not not the exact same, but let's say what, 90% of the money would be in kind of the same hands. Because, and you know, this might trigger some people like, oh, yeah, of course there's not equal opportunity in the world. We don't aren't all starting from the same place at the exact same time. There's differences, you know, growing up in different socioeconomic backgrounds totally makes a difference. Access to private schooling and certain things and better resources definitely makes a difference. Yes, any individual can make something of themselves in this world. I mean, we are we're in America, it's the best place to do that. I, what my favorite motivational speaker right now, Eric Thomas, is back, he was homeless. He ate out of trash cans. He ran away from home at 16. He's raised by a single mom, no father. Like Homeless eating out of trash cans, and now he's the number one motivational speaker in the world above Tony Robbins. So I love that because he always goes, he's like, hey, anyone can do it. That doesn't mean everyone will, and that doesn't mean everyone has the equal opportunity either. However, that big old caveat I just had, you take all the money, you burn it all, you take everyone's bank accounts, you drain them to zero, everyone's assets zero, we're all starting from the same playing field, the money's going to end up in the same hands. That's someone's theory. And I happen to generally agree with it, I I think, because what you realize is it's not as much resources as it is mindset, 
financial mindset, wealthy mindset. Now, your access to resources definitely helps in your financial mindset, right? If you're if you grow up and you're around millionaires and your parents are friends with millionaires and you get exposure to them and you maybe you get linked up with a really good mentor and they mentor you like yeah, you're going to have a lot better chance than if you don't have that. However, there's plenty of rich people out there, right? And you know, their kids don't necessarily absorb that and take that route. So, everyone's different, right? But we're speaking on general terms here. You take all the money out of the world, it's going to end up in the same hands. Why is that? It's financial literacy. It's money mindset. It's because I'm reading a book right now, actually, The Science of Getting Rich. Getting wealthy is a science. Getting rich is a science. It's literally a process. And there's like some proven steps. And if you study wealthy people, there's patterns. You, you, I'm sure any of you guys like me, you listen to motivational videos or stuff, or you follow successful people, or you study them, you study their patterns, you realize like, whoa, it, they do a lot of the same things. They're, they're consistent. They work hard. They're passionate about what they do. They look to serve. They look to help others. They get up early. They're healthy. They have an investing mindset over a spending mindset. They invest in assets. They work for themselves. They are building their own equity. They, they all, all sorts of similar things. Like, every, every, you know, there's different, they have differences, but a lot of their core patterns are the same. So you study those habits, those patterns, those things. If getting rich or wealthy is a goal of yours, it's really like you just study it. Like it's a, a course in school, right? Like bring out the books. Like, let me read the books on getting wealthy. Think and grow rich. If you have a goal of getting wealthy, think and grow rich is probably one of the best ones. Rich dad, poor dad. Uh, the Richest Man in Babylon. The Science of Getting Rich is a great one. Wallace D. Waddles, I'm reading it right now. There's a lot of stuff. And so what you realize is why would money end up in the same hands? Because wealthy people learned and trained themselves and acquired the skills and the mindset and developed themselves to become wealthy. And so if all of a sudden it was just equal opportunity everywhere, they have the skills, they know what to do. They'd go build a business. There's a show, Undercover Billionaire. It takes a self-made billionaire, season one, Glenn Stearns, some sold some tech company that he created, you know, he had humble beginnings. He didn't have, you know, he didn't grow up in wealth and self-made billionaire with a B and they take him and they say, we're going to see if the American dream is alive and how much of it is what you do and how you approach it in your mindset versus where, you know, the environment around you. Environment is of course important. If growing up in a supportive environment, you know, or a wealthy environment has its benefits. It also has its downsides. Growing up in a the opposite environment has its downsides, has its upsides, has its backs against the wall. Got to make it happen. Got to go do it. Anyways, they say, okay, you have 90 days to create a million dollar business from scratch. Here's all you get. We're changing your name. You can't use your name. You can't contact anyone you know. We're going to drop you in Erie, Pennsylvania, somewhere you've never been. We're going to give you a $100 bill. You have no other access to capital. We're going to give you an old used beat up pickup truck. And we're going to give you a cell phone with service, but no contacts. That's all you have. $100, a cell phone, and an old beat up pickup truck dropping you in Erie, Pennsylvania. No home, no hotel, no nothing. You're homeless. You have 100 bucks. And you have 90 days to build a million dollar business. At the end of 90 days, we're going to bring our own appraiser in. They're going to appraise the business and they're going to say, is this business worth a million dollars? If it is, we're going to give a million dollars to some some charity. I forget which one. And then Erie and you get to keep this thriving, you know, seven figure business. 
and everyone benefits and there's going to be employees and all the things. If you don't, you have to put up the million and Erie gets to keep the business still if it's worth half a million or whatever. Or if you fail, you know, you fail, but you put up the million. So then wealthy people, you realize they care about their money. Warren Buffett's the best investor ever. His number one rule to investing, don't lose money. First thing you protect against, how do I not lose money in this deal, in this investment, in whatever? It's the first thing you underwrite to. How do I make sure I don't lose money? Now, it's also, you know, you can think of that as somewhat scarcity mindset. No, that, that is a sharp investor sees the upside and hedges and protects against any loss. Anyways, Glenn Stearns being a self-made billionaire is like, I don't want to lose a million. I'll, I'll, I'm happy to write a check for charity for a million dollars, but wealthy people are competitive. They're driven. They're like, they're ready to go. They're lions. They're hunters. They want to build. They're creators. All of a sudden, this competition's out there, and boom. So they drop them in Erie. It's a great show, by the way. If you're Netflix and, Netflix and chilling, it's on Discovery Channel. I think it might be on Amazon Prime. You can buy season one. It's like pretty cheap. And if you have Discovery Plus, they might, it might have it. I forget where exactly it is. Undercover Billionaire. Just look it up. Instead of like mindless, like I'm watching Friday Night Lights. Did you see who's in love with who? Oh my gosh, who cheated on who? I just brought that up. I, I try not to get into series. It's a big time sink, but... This one was good because I learned from it. Wealthy people are thrifty. So he goes in right away and he's sleeping in his car and it was winter. Eerie, it was like 30 degrees. He actually got sick in the first week. He had to spend like 50 bucks at like an urgent care, half his wad. He was eating ramen noodles. He was throwing up. He was cold. He's like, oh my gosh. He started cleaning toilets, cleaning houses for like 75 bucks. So he started a self-made billionaire, cleaning toilets, scrubbing on his hands and knees. Cleaning for 80 bucks, 80 bucks, whatever. And I, you know, I won't spoil it, but he starts to get really thrifty. He takes his money, he puts it in an asset, he flips the asset, he flips another asset, he gets a home, he flips the home, he has enough capital to start a business. All this meantime, he's been building his team. Who's gonna help me build this? I got a dream, I gotta build a team. Oh my gosh, it's epic. Anyways, it goes to show you drop everyone into that scenario. Think about that. Everyone in the world, say 100 people are dropped in that scenario. You're in Erie, Pennsylvania. You've never been. Here's a beat-up pickup truck. Here's 100 bucks, and here's a cell phone. Most people would be in big trouble. They'd be homeless. They wouldn't know what to do. They'd probably blow their wad way too quick. They'd hopefully start at least working. Most people would go right into work. They'd be like, where can I find safety and security? That's our brain's number one thing. Like, I need safety and security. I need to go get a job so I can go get a roof over my head, get a motel, whatever. And that's not a bad thing to protect us, right? But the way wealthy people think are like, let me start a business. Let me start, I will clean toilets. I will do the dirty work. I'll start to build a team. I'll cast the vision for this business. I'll get partners involved. But I, I got to do this. Like most people go to McDonald's, go to wherever, go to the local shop, whatever. Be like, hey, let me work for you for 10 bucks an hour or whatever, you know, whatever the going rate is there. And start to build it up and take time and whatever. In 90 days, hopefully they'd be in a, maybe an apartment, probably just a hotel, like just scraping by and getting by. Meanwhile, Glenn Stearns, I'm not going to ruin the show, but like builds, builds a business. And that's a good microcosm of you took all the wealth away, it would end up in the same hands because wealthy people know how to create wealth. They know how to create it. They know the science of it. They know the patterns. They know how to do it again. They've already done it. So it's a, it's a mindset. Wealthy is a mindset. I saw a quote the other day. It's like poor people spend their money and invest the rest. Wealthy people invest their money and spend the rest. Whoa. Let me say that again. Poor people spend their money and invest the rest. 
Wealthy people invest their money and spend the rest. True financial freedom is when your assets work for you, when your money works for you, when your money is making money. Here's, here's one of my goals. I'd like to have $5 million in assets, probably owned outright, not leveraged, not dead against it. Let's say I had $5 million in assets owned outright. And when I say assets, I mean things that produce me returns, not a home. A $5 million home does not produce me any financial returns. Maybe a great space to live in and memories and whatever, and that stuff's invaluable. It doesn't produce me any wealth or cash. Maybe it appreciates the economy, and I want to get there in this episode, like, Where's it going? It's not definitely going to go up this this $5 million home. But if I can get $5 million in assets earning 10%, that's half a million dollars a year. Half a million dollars a year. My money just making a half million dollars a year. That's that's one of my first big wealth benchmark goals. $5 million in assets earning 10%, half a million dollars a year. It's not too hard to live off half a million a year. And that's just your money making money. That's not even your earned money. You going out and doing whatever you do career-wise to go go earn money. You could retire off that. You could just live the rest of your life. Like I have five million, it's gonna earn me five hundred thousand a year. I can spend if I spend every last one of those five hundred thousand, it'll earn me five hundred thousand. Now nothing's guaranteed. There's no guaranteed ten percent return, right? But you know, you diversify, you can you can achieve that. Maybe six, maybe seven percent, whatever that is. If it's six percent of five million, you're earning three hundred thousand a year. You can, you can live off that too, probably. Now, even better than that, you, you're like, hey, you know what? I earned 500000 off my money made that without me lifting a finger, really. It's all set in place. I'll live off two fifty, and I'll, I'll put, keep two fifty in to keep growing. Compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. That keeps growing, and whoa, like that's going to keep growing. It's going to be $6 million soon. It's going to be seven. It's going to be 10 And then all of a sudden, you're like, whoa, I got $10 million. Now my $10 million a year at 10% earns $1 million a year. 10 million in assets earns 1 million a year at 10%. Like now it's like, whoa, I can live off a million. I'm only gonna live off of 500. I'm gonna invest the other 500. Boom, boom, it keeps going up. You get it. So what the what most people do is they get paid, whatever way you get paid, you pay your bills, you spend your money and you hope there's some left over at the end to invest. Now, some of you are like, I have a 401k and that's good, but you gotta have, start with the end in sight. and what I see in America, 401ks, people retiring with 401ks, there's usually not enough to retire like the way they want to retire. And then if they live long enough and they're healthy enough, their kids are taking care of them, whatever. So you got to make sure what life do I want to live? How much do I really need? Do I need 5 million, 10 million? Do I need two, three, one? What, what is it? Work backwards. Now, 401k is great, especially if your company matches, probably great to, to invest up to that match. Beyond that though, what the wealthy people do they take their money, their earned money, and they go invest in assets that produce cash flow. And they use that cash flow to spend. So they're stacking assets while most of us are stacking shoes, purses, belts, things, material things, 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 things that won't last, things that, you know, are just that dopamine hit, like, oh, I got the new this, I got that, I'm keeping up with the Joneses, look at me, look at me. You know, wealthy people a lot of times like don't even appear rich. It's those people like flashing and flaunting their, you know, their Gucci, their Balenciaga, whatever the heck all these things are like those, (laughs) most of those people, like they aren't wealthy. They're spending their earned income on that stuff to appear rich. So there's a concept in all the books, wealth books you'll read called pay yourself first. And that's what the wealthy people do. They're like, before I pay any of my creditors, any of my bills, my rent, my mortgage, my 
utilities, my phone bill, my anything, I pay myself. I'm going to put 10% or 20 or 30% or if they're balling and don't spend a lot, 50%. They put a certain percent, at least 10% into an account, hopefully an account at the very minimum of savings. They, they always say like have six months of rainy day fund, right? That's the general consensus in somewhere where you could access it if you needed to. But 10% going into an investment account, something bearing interest, something growing, your money's making money. You're going to start to see it. And then from there, okay, I'll pay my bills. I'll do my thing. Most people are like, I'm going to spend my money. Oh God, I don't have, there's too much month and not enough money. I don't have any to invest, let alone, I think I'm going to have to put some stuff on a credit card. I spend more than I make. That's the average American consumer. And it's sad because that's America. That's our government. We're in so much debt. It's like insurmountable. We'll never get out of it. We just got to keep kicking the can down the road. It's kind of crazy when you really think about it. Now, where I want to segue this is the, the concept of, okay, I got to build my wealth mindset. I got to build my financial literacy. How do I do that? It's study people who've done it, read those books, be around them, level up, go to the conferences, be around the people who are where you want to be, surround yourself with those people, learn, study, watch the YouTube videos, do all the things. Like there's so many access to resources today and then start to apply it. But from there, I wanted to shift into, so there's a bull economy and a bear economy or an up and a down. Life is seasonal, right? The economy is seasonal. Just just like in life, you know, I grew up in New England. It's a great example. There's spring. Or no, let's say there's winter. It's cold. Winter. Then it turns into spring. Things start to bloom. Flowers start to come out. The sun starts to come out more. It gets a little warmer. And then it goes into summer. Oh my gosh, this is beautiful. Beach, let's go. Oh yes, let's get off work early. Friday, grab happy hour, whatever it is. And then it turns into fall. Oh my gosh, another beautiful season, Chris, but I'm heading into winter. And then winter, every 90 days, it's cyclical. That's life. And that's the economy. It's never, it's not perfect every 90 days, of course. But the, generally, after a dip, there's a pop. After a pop, there's a dip. After, you know, upward trajectory, it's going to come down. So a lot of us probably know and remember in 2008, the economy crashed, right? We entered a bear market. That's kind of a stock market term. If it's down from 20%, basically. It, we're in a bear market. But let's just say like a good economy or up economy or down economy. Let's just actually use a bull market is an upward trajectory market and a bear economy is down, downward. Or bear market, bull market. So 2008, you know, all the things, not going to go into detail there, but people, they were handing out mortgages. They were uh, all, uh, there was derivatives on it. It was crazy. Mortgage swaps, like mortgage-backed securities. It was a wild, wild west in, in the financial world. And the regulatory statutes, like they've done a great job in making it harder to get a mortgage. Anyone could get a mortgage in 07. And oh my gosh. Anyways, we won't get in that. Big crash, market crashed, economy crashed. People, some people, if you're over levered or had a lot of real estate, like lost a lot. The stock market took a huge dip and then into 09 and then it started to recover. So that's a bear. It's down. It's down. That was a steep bear. But then it starts to go back up after a bear. And you know what? Since like 2009, 2010, maybe the, the market's been, the economy's just been on the up and on the up and on the up. And the average bull market lasts like, <laughs> think like 3.8 I read, or maybe let's just say four years. An average bear market usually lasts like less than a year. Bears are usually a little steeper. They're fear-based. It's like when people start to sell off, everyone starts to sell off. It's like fear is contagious. So 2010, the average 
bull markets, four years, the average like upward trending market is four years. So 2010, you would think to 2014. No, guys, we're still in a bull. We might just be hitting the winter time in the economy, the bear market. How crazy, like it's 2022. So it's been like 12 years of a, of a bull economy. I'd say in the last six months, actually, the stock market's dropped for sure. So we might be technically, I think we're technically in the beginning of a downturn, of a recession. Uh, also a bear market, you know, can be called a recession. I think we're just scratching the surface of it. And I'm not, you know, I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not, this is just my opinion. I, yes, I got my master's degree in finance. I was in the finance world for 10 years. I still study the market and the economy and wealth and money and all the things. But guys, we've been in a bull, in an upward market for 12 years. Like that's wild. That's insane. That's the longest in history. And you know Why? Because the government and the treasury has some control over that. They can print money. They can just put more money into circulation. That's why we read these things and there's inflation and it's, uh, you know, eight, nine, 10% and everything's more expensive and gas is going crazy and all these things. And the average American has to earn 52 more hundred dollars in 2022 just to live the same lifestyle they did last year. And that's just at the average. If you're making like 75, 80K, you have to make an extra 5,200. That's why the side gig, that's why the gig economy. That's why side hustles are, are growing and growing and growing because people need it. The government's been printing just billions and trillions of dollars, just putting it into the economy to keep interest rates low so we can borrow money at a lower rate. That's why you saw all the you know mortgage rates were so low. Everyone, the, the real estate market's crazy. And it's not all the only reason, but it's all correlated, right? And so the real estate's booming. Oh my gosh, the stocks are booming. You know, the pandemic, uh, the government's giving money away. People are just getting stimulus packages to go spend it. And so consumer sentiments up. And you know, there's still a lot of reports in the marketplace. Jobs are still increasing. Like unemployment's still super low. A lot of the key performance indicators in the economy says we're not in a recession yet. The stock market's taken a dip for sure. But a lot of the people that I follow and respect are see it's coming. So I think in the next six months, stock market's going to keep going down. We'll see a correction in real estate. Who knows? But I really think, and what I see is winter's coming, right, for the economy. We've been up for 12 years. Winter's coming. Everything needs a correction. It doesn't mean it'll go lower than it was before. Generally, everything's on the upward trend, but it's like up, 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 down, up, 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 down, up, 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 down. And over the, the, the regression line over time is it's just a gradual up. But in those cycles of up, down, up, down, winter, spring, summer, fall, winter, spring, summer, fall. And so what really like what wealthy people do, and to be honest, everyone gets poorer, right? In a, in a recession, everyone's values of their homes and their assets and their 401k and their stocks and their investments go down. You know what the wealthy do? They usually get wealthier. Why? Their financial literacy, their mindset, they understand the economy. They understand things. They're creators. They might create a business. Their business might be counter cyclical. We're in the network marketing industry. It's counter cyclical. When the economy's down, more people need additional income streams. We have that to offer. We're in consumables. It's the lipstick effect. People still buy, you know, <laughs> the lipstick effect is in a down economy or up economy. They buy cigarettes, alcohol, and like personal care products, things that make them look beautiful. <laughs> Wild. But, anyways, that's why people are like, starting multiple side hustles. People have multiple streams of income because they can't, they don't know what's going on in the economy. They don't know what's going to happen. They don't know what's going to happen with their, their company and they can't 
depend on. And I think the younger generation is seeking that multiple streams. They want to be able to do different things. But I think in the next 6, 12, 18, 24 months, we're going to see that recession, right? We're going to see that every all assets going down. I live in Orange County. It's hard to think. There's a lot of wealth here. A lot of people want to live here. It's hard to think about real estate going down, but who knows? It, it could. But with real estate, what's cool is like if you own a property, 10 years from now, it's going to be up. Unless something catastrophic happens, like generally speaking, any asset, uh, any stock, unless the company goes out of business, you know, unless something crazy happens, like the stock market and real estate 10 years from now will almost guaranteed be up from where it is today. So when you take that long-term approach, that's what wealthy people do, but they also understand the winter time. They build liquidity. They build cash. Interest rates are going to go up. It's going to depress real estate values. Everything's going to start to be on sale. I'm no pro. I'm no economist. But how I think and intuitively understand in the wintertime, I want to build liquidity. And by liquidity, I mean a cash position. Because I want to be able to, if the real estate market's down 30%, I want to be able to get something on on sale. I consider it like sale for 30%. If Google, Tesla, Apple, Microsoft, um, all these big blue chip stocks, Facebook, whatever, you know, the S&P 500, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, if the stock market is down 20, 30%, I want to be able to invest in it. And it might keep going down but I'm going to invest it. I'm going to get it at 30% off and I'm not going to try and flip it in and out of it. I'm going to think five years from now, I'll measure where I'm at. 10 years from now, I'll measure where I'm at. And you know, if it goes down 20, 30%, it's, you, it's going to be up five years from now. It's going to be up three years from now, probably. Definitely going to be up 10 years from now. So when you start to take that, like, oh, you can't time the market, but guess what? What are the wealthy people doing? Study what Warren Buffett's doing. You want to get wealthy? I'm sure of it. I should study it too. I know he's done some of this, but he's loading up on cash right now because he knows what's coming. He knows the stock market's going to keep going down. And he's going to buy at low price points, buy low, sell high. Anyways, we went on a few different topics here, but it started with if we took all the money away from everyone's hands in the world, it would end up in the same hands, generally speaking. Because it's getting wealthy is not about getting lucky or anything. It's developing yourself, developing your skill set. You know, you've heard it a million times. Why do 90-whatever percent of lotto winners go bankrupt and end up in a worse place than they were before? Because it's their internal thermometer. They don't have the identity or skill set or mindset of a millionaire. So you give them a million dollars, they're going to lose it. You give a millionaire a million dollars, they're going to multiply it because they know what to do with it. And it wasn't they weren't born knowing what to do with it. They developed that. So... If there's one thing you can do, I think, right now, it's really start to build your financial literacy and your, your mindset around money and wealth because the most opportunity is in the wintertime. The most. It's easy to make money. I, I shouldn't say that, but it's much easier to make money when everything's good and everything's going great and yeah, yeah. But are you protected for the, the downturn and are you able to create and add value still in the downturn and make make money or invest or have liquidity or whatever it is. So I hope this was helpful. I know it was a little different than the typical getting magnetic, but I, this was on my mind and I was like, I, I feel like I just got to go in on this. Um, so if this was helpful, let me know. Send us a DM. Uh, we don't we don't post as much on our getting magnetic page. It'll probably be more on our um, at wellness with Wade Sandy's at Sandy Claus Seven. But if you're like, thank you for that, let me know if it was valuable because some of you might be like, wait, no, we want to hear the relationship, the business stuff. Like, quit talking about money in the economy. You let me know. I'm always open for feedback. But I appreciate you guys. If this was valuable, share it. Share it with your spouse, your partner, your best friend, your business partner, whoever needs to hear it. And uh, 
don't be afraid too to, to send me a DM like, hey, I'd love to hear you you, you and Sandy talk about this or that. Um, but we appreciate you guys and hope you have an epic rest of your day. Catch you next time. Only those that can see the invisible can do the impossible. So remember, you are magnetic. <laughs>